you can't prioritize everything all at once and you do have to have a target state. You still need to have a sense of what the end state that you're working towards. You can change direction, but you have to have a basis on which to make decisions. And that's a framework and a good roadmap to drive that. A large portion of that is not just trying to attack problems tactically, but looking at them holistically and thinking about the business value that's being driven by technology, not just technology for technology's sake. And what is the technology organization trying to drive to should be based on what is the broader organization trying to drive to. Welcome to the Hackett Group's Business Acceleration Podcast. Week after week, you'll hear from top experts on how to avoid obstacles, manage detours, and celebrate milestones on the journey to world-class performance. What projects are technology leaders prioritizing in 2023? What challenges do they face? These are the questions our experts will address today as we look at our IT key issues research for 2023. Joining me for the conversation is the Hack Group's Global IT Advisory Practice Leader, Tammy Pinter, IT Transformation Practice Leader, Mike Spires, and Technology Transformation Practice Co-Leader, Michael Fuller. Welcome to all three of you. Hi, Gary. Thanks. Thanks, Gary. Uh, Tammy, you're going to be leading our discussion today. So to get things started, um, what can you tell us about the business environment and the risks that IT leaders are expecting to encounter this year? All right. So our 2023 is expected to be a difficult year as the global economic downturn progresses. You know, in addition to inflationary pressures, geopolitical turmoil and talent shortages, organizations must consider multiple disruptive global scenarios in their planning for the next three to several years. We don't know exactly what those plus years are, but the fact is we need to keep it as part of our contingent planning. Aligning their organization to a strategy that can mitigate external and internal risks is difficult and must be based on a strong cross-discipline approach. Mike, you know, having worked as an interim CIO for multiple clients, I assume this is a topic that is constantly being discussed. It's discussed in all the CIO forums, it's what CIOs need to worry about, CX levels. What are some of the more specific considerations and steps being taken to mitigate these concerns? There's two sort of timeframes. In the immediate short term, it's about reviewing costs and doing the, the necessary to ensure that uh, the organization's right-sized for the the business today. In the longer term, it's about building in flexibility and the ability to pivot to new and or higher priority initiatives that drive, whether it be digital, we saw a lot of that in 2020 in the pandemic, or as as you think about the functions, how do you enable them through automation or better capability enablement by prioritizing projects and, and initiatives that really drive value outside of the function of IT and really help the, the business perform more efficiently and effectively. I mean, you're spot on there about driving value. We're going to talk a little bit later about this, but you know, pretty much going to give it away that the 2023 team is driving value. So very spot on about that. Thank you. Global technology spending is expected to grow in 2023 due to increased spending on digital transformation initiatives, necessity to meet business goals and challenges. A common trend of more automation across business functions is driving investment. As you said, need to automate more, right? Enterprises are exploring opportunities to digitize processes that drive additional value. 
such as AI enablement, uh, workloads across business functions are expected to grow more than the budgets and their headcount. Leaders are relying on technology to help fill the productivity gaps. So that pretty much turns around is, Michael, by the way, I know from the study, technology spending, and as you know, because you helped me work on this, will continue to increase, like I said, in 2023, but not at the same rate as workload, which I think is very key. That translates into there's a technology spend gap, not meeting the workload requirement across most business functions. Can you give like some examples as to what companies are doing to close that gap? Well, it's a it's an interesting problem, and it's a it's one that IT organizations are very familiar with, right? IT is always being asked to do more with less. I think the difference we're seeing now is that the acceleration of the growth rate at the workload level is starting to, you know, push the boundaries of what uh, IT organizations can do today, and so. Uh, what we're seeing more and more of is automation in all forms. But, you know, it could be utilizing automation in uh, native applications, uh, which have, you know, uh, workflow uh, automation built into them. A lot of companies right now, you know, across finance, HR, procurement, supply chain, et cetera, still have legacy applications that have a lot of uh, customized workflows that involve, you know, just spreadsheets. And the the modern applications have those workflows built in, but then companies have to figure out how to utilize those. And that involves things like organizational change management, which truth be told, IT isn't so great at. So, uh, you know, automation is the theme of the day, whether, again, it's it's, it's inherent uh, or embedded automation within, within applications, it's workflow automation, it's AI, it's... RPA in the short term. So it's definitely a challenge that IT organizations have to face. The good thing is that they've been addressing this this kind of problem for some time. The problem now is that, again, the acceleration is just uh, outpacing the, the resource demand. Makes complete sense. But you know what? I heard you one thing that IT organizations aren't good necessarily acceleration and agile. By the way, I feel like you should be on the last, you know, podcast I did with Martine because the one conversation we probably need to have after this podcast is how IT organizations are perceived throughout the business versus their perceptions of themselves. I'm not certain they get a fair handshake in that. Just saying. No, I, I totally agree. It's always fun when we go in and do a benchmark that includes a stakeholder survey. And then, you know, there's misalignment in those perceptions. And yep. having worked in IT as well as consultant in IT for 25 plus years, I, I, I would agree that IT often doesn't get its, its fair share. Or its I fair agree. Due. I agree. So organizations are currently looking both internally and externally with vendor partners to drive more value. Can we come back to Mike, like we're talking about, you're right. The whole key theme of 2023 is driving value, not so much as cost reduction in previous years. There'll always be a component of the underlying business, but the fact is it's driving value, rapid to market. How can we make our customers and stakeholders happier and get to the market faster, all of these components. But looking internally, 
and where we put our processes, IT service, you know, alignment, or it could be service placement, as we like to call it, or even like vendor partnering, right? The doing more with less. We, we went through a, quite a few years that outsourcing was the key. And it's worked for a lot of years that drove costs down, they were focused, and they were deriving value. However, as you know, you know, in the last year or plus, increasingly, since this last year or so, we're receiving more advisory requests and consulting on vendor partner relationships that range from, I want to part ways, I need to consolidate multiple agreements, multiple vendor partners, or should I consider bringing these functions or roles back in-house because I'm no longer receiving the value or the level of service as before? If you wouldn't mind, Mike, share some examples around vendor partner value realization or just like some stories you've addressed recently. Yeah, you know, the pandemic and the quote-unquote great resignation impacted technology organizations, I think, even more than the rest of uh, what you might consider uh, quote-unquote normal business. And, you know, there was a lot of churn both within clients as well as within the the broader technology services groups. So that what happened is, you know, you were seeing in, in some cases 20, even 30% or more turnover in your core uh, outsourcing providers. That led to a lot of instability, a lot of questioning in terms of, do I have the right partner? And I, I think a lot of times as people were looking for capabilities and skills and capacity in the in the pandemic, they kind of picked what was available as opposed to taking the time to to look at it holistically. And so we saw a lot of organizations with multiple partners needing to go back and rationalize and think about that more holistically. Similarly, you know, the work from home, work from wherever has created a, a sense of entitlement in, in many of the technology workers who don't feel like they should uh, be forced to work in the office or, you know, limit themselves to the city they live in, in terms of the opportunities that they have. So looking at your organization holistically, and as you said, what should be internal, what should be external, how do I think about building capabilities for my organization, and then how do I flex partner capabilities on top of that uh, to drive good outcomes in, in everything that I do? And you know, we layer in looking at the, the locations, so what can be done locally, what can be done remotely uh, nearly all the time, if not all the time, and what can be done, you know, in far distant locations, Eastern Europe, Asia, India, you know, Latin America, things that enable that 24 by 7 view of technology and how do you support it, while also giving you capabilities that uh, you can use on demand. So you might have a core set of things that you need for your organization, but you're going to need to scale up and scale down for other things. Having good partners you can count on who know your environment is is important in that. And figuring out the right way to partner with them. I've talked about this in previous podcasts and webcasts, but you know, getting your partners to help you build capabilities, creating that apprenticeship model on these projects and on the work so that it's not just junior people at the service provider who are building capabilities and skills, but your team is as well. And that creates stickiness for them in that they're able to have people that they've worked with or there gets to be a level of comfort and, and uh, partnership engaged there too. So there, there is something in it for them. And then finally, we are seeing a lot of these relationships at the breaking point, as you alluded to. 
And again, some of that's because they were entered into hastily either at the beginning of the pandemic or, you know, as kind of in response to uh, immediate needs. And many of the organizations are going back and realizing they don't have the right partner model or the partner didn't properly understand it or they hadn't set up their own internal processes and governance to make sure that they're managing the partner appropriately. So we work with both partners and clients to create this partner value realization where it really is around, hey, you're three years into a five-year agreement. You don't, you can't really, it would cost too much on both sides to to end it now. How do we create value over those two years, create value with the partner so that they're able to to have you know some confidence that the, they're going to stay with the, the client and have that business? And how do we create value with the the client to ensure that they're getting the most out of the partner. And that requires a lot of work on both sides. It's not just a matter of the client needs to change how they uh, do demand planning on their projects so that the service provider understands the demand that's coming and the skill sets they're going to need and when. But it's about how do you uh, create KPIs? How do you make sure that you're governing so that things escalate in an appropriate manner? And it's not sort of a reactive, but it's much more proactive. And on the client side, or on the, on the service provider side, rather, it's, it's about how do I ensure that I'm bringing the right people to the problem? You know, we hear a lot of customers say, hey, you know what, they're just not bringing the right people. If they brought the right people, I'd be happy. And so making sure that there's alignment on those needs. And, you know, I kind of affectionately call it marriage counseling because no one wants these relationships to break up, but you both have to work to get the value out of it. So one of the most effective, I would say, are just items poignant that stuck with me. Listening, you talked to a client one time about what you call kind of marriage counseling, was that they were talking about KPIs and SLAs and the client was, you know, the vendor partner was missing them. But, you know, it had to do with the same thing that all of us were struggling with. They're like, how do I enforce this? How do I penalize? And one of the first things you said, let's not make it really a penalty thing. Let's make it that they lose the credit and then they earn a credit back. I thought that was very empowering where, yes, they might go through a downturn because of, you know, items out of control, Uh, the great resignation, it could be economic issues, it could be that people just are not available, right? But they had been a good vendor partner for a long time, but they're struggling like we struggle. I really liked that you brought to this as like, let's just kind of do this little pull. It's like, yes, they, they are not doing great right now, right? And that you know, they're going to lose some points, but they get to earn back those credits. I don't remember exactly what you called that, but I think it was a demerit merit system. Well, kind of an earn back. In in general, I, I'm not a huge fan of either service credits or, you know, holdbacks. They create a lot of issues on revenue recognition with the partners. And they also create a, you know, a tension that you don't want to be there. I, I prefer to have outcome-based KPIs that really kind of show is the relationship working and then have the client and the and the service provider work together to drive those outcomes. You know, some don't feel comfortable not having any financial stake in it, so the, the client pushes for it. But I want to make sure it's it's not punitive, but it really is informative that this this is what we value and this is how we're going to work to achieve those outcomes as opposed to hey, for one month, you're just not doing what I want you to do. So you owe me 10% holdback on that service. Because again, it's it's about creating partnership and it's about creating a sense of uh, joint ownership of outcomes. I think a lot of times 
customers want to just throw stuff over at the fence and say, hey, service provider, fix my problems. And the service provider as well, if, if we're in partnership, eventually uh, we can do these together and get to a better outcome. And, you know, having that that correct relationship and governance and and just cadence on how you manage the the work, I think is really important so that you don't create these conflicts unnecessarily. Yep. The vendor partner value realization to be a true partner. All right. Well, thank you on that. So this brings us a little over to the cloud. Be prepared, Michael. (laughs) The cloud has moved to the forefront of being the platform organizations must leverage for agility, growth, transformation. 42% of organizations have legacy solutions that must be replaced. And many of the applications are limiting agility. They're limiting functional ability and impairing competitiveness. We actually have kind of a slide in this on our performance, but not not for this podcast. It's another conversation. And it's impairing their competitiveness, which means it's impairing them to their value realization and going to market fast, right? 23% of organizations are expected to be at 100% cloud-based by the end of 2025. I'm going to come back to that statement, by the way up from 7% by the end of 2023. So Michael, given that we have clients in all stages of their cloud journey, we often receive inquiries regarding struggles to be more agile in their day-to-day operations. And what are some more of the common challenges and how are companies addressing these challenges? And then just so you think about it while you're answering this question, I'm gonna come back to that 100% by 2025. So just a heads up. Thanks for the heads up. So I'll try to think and speak at the same time and uh, we'll see how that goes. But in terms of like some of the more common challenges, the biggest problem facing, you know, IT organizations right now is there are, you know, there's the cloud and there's the 650 plus different versions of the cloud, you know, at each of the hyperscalers plus all the smaller cloud providers and then there are, you know, things that are kind of uh, legacy enterprise uh, platforms that have been in place for three, four, five years. And then you have legacy, you know, AS400s that have been sitting around for, you know, uh, 20 years, you know, with, with yellow caution tape, you know, surrounding it in the data center. And so IT organizations have all of this architectural or technology complexity and trying to have like a standard way of working is difficult, right? And so then you start to see these blended mixes of ways of working that are part, you know, for projects or products are part waterfall, part agile. And in some cases, they take the worst of both methodologies and, you know, create this, you know, this huge uh, backlog of items that needs to be done all the while maintaining, keeping the lights on and maintaining operational uh, stability. And so that complexity architecturally or uh, from a technical perspective lends itself very well to, you know, day-to-day operational complexity. And when we go back to what we were talking about before, which is, you know, the increasing demand and then budgets increasing, but not as much or not at the same pace or rate as uh, demand is, you know, you just have a kind of a recipe for not being agile in all cases. So that's definitely the biggest challenge that organizations are facing today. And so 
how their companies are addressing it and how we're helping companies is helping them uh, solidify a standard hybrid operating model, which again includes all of the, the key interactions for different types of workloads. And you know, some of it's on-prem, some of it's in, you know, at SaaS providers, some of it's at PaaS providers, and, and so on down the line. And so, you know, standardizing those ways of working for, you know, uh, different types of workload with the key being, again, that, that partnership with the business is the, you know, the key way that, uh, you know, we're seeing clients um, successfully address these challenges and then using technology to help you manage those interactions, right? So it's not a, you know, Visio diagram with swim lanes that you're trying to follow. Okay, which step am I on? Who's next? Oh, where's that decision? You're using technology to, to automate those workflows. Right, right. So this kind of brings us to what do I focus on in 2023, right? So the messages that we're driving here is drive business value. Number one, drive business value. That covers four of our key issues, right? We didn't talk about retain the right IT skills and talent movement. We didn't talk about that. I think we've talked about that a lot in the last couple of years. I think it's a given, but we did talk about improved vendor partner outcomes, which right now is what we're seeing over the last two, I mean, last year plus, is that how do I fix this? Everybody knows that they need to retain the right IT skills and talent. And that's actually not even just IT. It's across all the business functions. So that's being worked on. The next item is data-driven agility, right? What does that mean? It means you make decisions based on the data that's presented in front of you, not your feelings, not where you think that's going, but the data that's available to you. And if it's not available to you, that's a whole nother conversation, right? And then digitally transform at scale. This has been an ongoing theme for a long time. You know, what does that mean? I mean, digitally transform at scale covers another four of our key issues. It means organizations need to meet their transformation challenges. The challenge head on, you know, the challenges that could be modernized, scale, accelerate. More is being asked of us from a technology standpoint, right? So having said those items, Right. And having thought about kind of I know I didn't go one through ton of our key issues, and I think that might be a, a follow on podcast. But I just want to say, based on your study, this study, I mean, this study and the trends you're seeing, what key recommendation it could be one or two you decide or advice would you give our clients in C levels for 2023? Michael, you're going to go first and then Mike. Just kind of what can you leave our clients with, like, focus on this today? You know, I was thinking about this question and it reminded me of when Mike and I uh, first started working together like six years ago or so. And we were, you know, somewhere in the, the, the Great Plains trudging through snow to get to and high winds. And we were at a client and they had an executive there. And he said words that I've, I've really taken to heart, which is to go fast, you got to go slow. And if you try, if or, IT organizations try to do too much too fast, it's bound to, it's not a guarantee. I'm not, you know, I, I'm not going to guarantee this in all cases, 
but it's you're not going to optimize you know the outcomes that you're trying to drive towards you know you you talked about skills and talent i would add culture in there right and there's the old saying that you know culture eats strategy for breakfast and when organizations are changing their operating models or changing their ways of working utilizing new technology right there's a cult a really strong cultural and organizational change management aspect so i think i would just again i'm i'm you know uh, stealing other people's words but uh, they're they're the words that i often share with my clients is to to go fast you got to go slow Actually, your cultural comment, that means something completely new. We talked about they don't want to come back to the workplace. And people think they need to force, you know, workers to come back to the workplace. I think the culture is changing. And if you force them to do something traditional and they don't want to do anymore, then you lose them. And then we have a workforce gap. So I think culturally, even in IT across the business functions, that's really changing. So you're really right about that. I mean, culture and just go slow to go fast. That is key. I mean, back in the day, we called that build the foundation, right? And then build on that foundation. So yeah, I think you're spot on. But you, but you also need to have a plan, right? And that's part of the go slow as well as, you know, you, you can't prioritize everything all at once. And you do have to have sort of a target state, even if it's not hundred percent built out. You know, we talk about three plus years and that's a lifetime in technology these days. You know, that's basically pre-pandemic and the world has changed completely in three years. And so, but you still need to have a sense of what the, the end state that you're working towards, or at least what you're working towards the horizon for, so that you're going in a specific direction and you can change direction as priority strategies or the environment outside of you, whether it be a pandemic, whether it be um, potential recession, whether it be skills gaps, whether it be do we work on site or off site, all those things are, are coming into play, but you have to have a basis under which to make decisions. And that's a, a framework and a, and a good roadmap to drive that. You know, many of these issues are very interrelated, as you've alluded to. And a large portion of that is not just sort of trying to attack problems tactically, but looking at them holistically, you know, data as an issue is, is one of those big things, really understanding how do we look at data holistically and how do we think about the disparate systems that they are and not manage the data in silos, but manage it as a corporate asset and think about it more holistically. How do we create AI off of that that creates good decisions and has good use cases? You know, and thinking about the business value that's being driven by technology and not just technology for technology's sake. So it really does become uh, what are we trying to drive to and, and what is the technology organization trying to drive to should be based on what is the, the broader organization trying to drive to. Exactly. You can't just always be reactive, right? Or what is trendy for the time, but you need to have a full vision and driving towards that vision. I completely think that is spot on. So I, I wanted to thank all of you for your time today. Thank you so much for being available. And I appreciate being able to discuss these different topics with you. I think there's going to be a lot of questions moving forward out of this that maybe some follow on podcast series, give the recommendations. <laughs> So Gary, I'm going to hand this over to you. I know that you need to do some closing statements. And guys, this was a pleasure. And I look forward to doing these type of podcasts very often. And we'll look to see what our clients and customers want to hear more about. 
Thanks, Tammy. And thanks, Michael and Mike, again, for joining us today. In the show notes, we'll put a link to the registration and download page for a complimentary version of the Hack Group's Technology Key Issues Research. And we hope you join us again next week. Thanks for listening. You can find the audio, helpful resources, and a transcript of each episode at podcast.thehackagroup.com. If you liked this episode, please share it. You can also subscribe at Apple Podcasts or your favorite listening app so you never miss an episode. We'd welcome your feedback by tapping the rating on this or any episode, or send us an email at podcast at thehackagroup.com. The Hackett Group is a global leader in defining and enabling world-class performance. Learn how we can assist with your improvement journey at www.thehackagroup.com.